If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 21. Uh, I want to share another story with you as we continue to look at what it means for Jesus to make a comeback and for what it means to turn defeat into victory. Because that's what Jesus is always doing on a cosmic scale, within the church, throughout the world, and in us. It's what we call redemption. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at some different elements of what it means to experience a comeback. A few weeks ago, we talked about how we prepare for a comeback by realizing that very often things are going to get worse before they get better. Week after that, we talked about what it feels like to be in checkmate when we can't go anywhere and it feels like we're out of moves and it feels like we're losing, as Jesus felt in the garden. Last week, we talked about what a turnaround comeback looked like. As Jesus emptied the tomb, as he rose from the dead, and as he turned the lives of not just this world, but of us, his disciples, around. Today, I want to look at the question, Having faced the worst, having been trapped, having seen the resurrection, how do we now move forward? How do we get back on track to live the life that God had planned for us from the very beginning? It's almost like our spiritual lives are this giant chessboard and God makes a move, and we have an enemy who makes a move. But sometimes the enemy's moves are so brutal that they knock us off the board. At Easter, we celebrate that Jesus wins, but now the challenge for the disciples and for us is to ask the question, how do we get back on track? How do we get back on track? When we've lived a life full of sin that feels like it has disqualified us and we realize we've been forgiven, how do we get back on track? When we've been through a year like we have, when things have been closed and canceled, how do we get back on track? When our inner lives have been in turmoil and fear has tried to grip us and it's become so easy not to when we should be, how do we get back on track? I believe that that was the question the disciples were forcing and facing after they'd seen Jesus. This story here in John 21 happens a few days after they'd seen the resurrected Jesus. We read last week about how he revealed himself. They touched his hand and he touched his side. 
We pick up the story here in chapter 21. Just a little history to this chapter. This chapter, 21, was added a lot later after John had written the first 20 chapters. It was actually written because John was coming near to the end of his life and then there was this rumor out there that Jesus was going to return before John died. So John wrote this to readdress those rumors. Interestingly as well, in this chapter, John talks a lot about Peter. By the time this chapter was written, Peter would have already died. But John 21 How do we get back in the game? How do we get back on track? How do we avoid just sitting in our isolated little bubble, grateful for what God has done, but feeling that we don't have a contribution to make? John chapter 21 Three things. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Honestly, on and on for the next 40 days, as Jesus just kept showing up. Scripture reveals that he revealed himself to over 500 people. The disciples were by the Sea of Tiberias, which is just in Galilee. And Jesus had given the instruction, go to Galilee, and I'll give you some more instructions there. So on one hand, the disciples arrive in this place because they've been faithful. On the other hand, they arrive in this place because they're frustrated. They've got no idea what to do with their life now. It had been put on a new track. It had been knocked off track. Jesus had returned, but they weren't yet ready to get back on track. So they've been faithful, but they're being frustrated. In their frustration, verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas from Cana, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples were together, probably wondering what they're going to do, what happens next. No one's really got a clue. So Simon Peter has this great idea and just says, I'm going to go fishing. Maybe he was fishing to relax. Maybe he was fishing to make a little bit of money because bills had to be paid. Maybe he was going fishing because he thought that getting back on track meant getting back to his old ways. But either way, I'm going fishing. I don't know if he invited the other disciples, but that felt like a good idea to them. And so they said, we're coming too. And so here they are by the Sea of Galilee on a boat. And scripture reads that they go fishing at night. That suggests that they were probably going fishing to make a little bit of money. Because they'd go fishing at night, they'd catch some fish, hopefully, that they could sell in the morning so it was fresh for everybody. 
But this night, we read at the end of verse 3 that they caught nothing. If this was Peter's backup plan to get back on track, he's going to feel like a double failure, right? He was on the track with Jesus, and he got knocked off that. His plan B was to become a fisherman, and here he was, his first 12 hours, whatever, into it, and he's caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Maybe it was a little foggy. Maybe it was a little hazy. Friends, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? <laughs> no, they embarrassingly, I imagined. You know, if Jesus is trying to build a relationship, this probably isn't the best way to do so, right? <laughs> hey, you're the guys that betrayed me and now you can't catch anything. What's up with that? Would have been embarrassing, would probably have hurt pride a little bit. But that's not what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus is trying to recall something very, very important in their memory. He, he wasn't trying to kind of create this, this mental deja vu thing. He was trying to get them to remember a time previously when they were out on a boat and they'd been fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything. It was at that moment, all those years ago, that these same disciples were invited to get on track in the first place. It was from that first night of no fishing that Jesus said to the disciples, Hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That was when they found their track, their purpose, the first time. Jesus says, you haven't caught anything, have you? No. Same as what happened in the story of Luke when he told it previously. How about this? Jesus went on as he offered some unsolicited advice that probably frustrated the disciples more. Why don't you cast your net on the right side of the boat? Then you'll find some. Recollection number two. Because that's exactly what happened when they were called the first time. They caught nothing. Jesus says, try the other side. And then, as they did, they caught so many fish that they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. In this first little section of the story, what Jesus is trying to get these off-track disciples to remember and recall as they tried to get back on track was the past. 
And I would put it to you that if you feel you've been knocked off track in your relationship with God, if you've been knocked off track by the events of this past year, if you've been knocked off track by the moves of the enemy, the first thing that we need to do is to recollect what God has done in our life previously. To get back on track, first of all, we must remember a past recollected. That's what's happening here. That's how Jesus is setting up this narrative where they get back on track. I've lost count of the number of times in my life where I've got off track from the plans of God. I thought I heard from God, but maybe I didn't. I thought I should go right, but maybe God wanted me to go left. And when we're off track and moving forward, it's real easy to get lost. And when we get lost, often what we need to do is to go back to the place where we last heard from God and we knew we were on track in the right place. Does that make sense? You go back to the starting place when you weren't lost. And so the first thing that Jesus is doing is helping them recollect their past. Your past is never wasted. The Apostle Paul in Romans says, all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love God, you are called. And therefore, as you are called, your past is not wasted. Your past is about to be redeemed. And that's what God is saying first to these disciples who are off track as they prepare get on track. Remember the first time I called you. Go back to that place where you knew you were in the right place. On Thursday night, I had dinner down at the Mall of Millennia with a friend who leads a a nationwide ministry. He was in town and we met on the the, the patio with our little group and we talked about some stuff. And at the end, we were um, dispersed and some of our group went that way. And he and I were walking this way to our cars at the mall, which was surprisingly packed. And neither of us could remember where we parked. So we had about 10 minutes just walking up and down these aisles. And he was telling me some of his story. He was a pastor for a long time. It's what God called him to. God was using in it. And then he went through some events and experiences in his life that caused him to resign, forced him to resign. And for 15 years, he's been doing other stuff and recently leading this ministry Because he thought that God had another track for him. As we were talking, he said, Andy, I've been invited to preach again, and I haven't preached for a long time, and I don't know what to do. As we were weaving the aisles in the parking lot, I said, you should do it. 
What about, what about, what about, what if, what if, what if? What if that's not my track? What if that's not my calling? Should we be concerned about that? <laughs> okay. All right. Could you just close the doors, David? Are we right? Oh, there we go. We got the doors open here because it's a little bit cooler. The lightning uh, alarm has just gone off in the park, but we're going to be okay. <laughs> Where was I? Anyway, walking down the aisles, right, in the parking lot. He's been invited to preach. He said, should I do it? Yes. Why? Because Romans tells us that God's calling and God's gifts are irrevocable. And just because we mess up and get off track does not mean that God doesn't have a track for us, right? The first thing we need to understand as we're talking about getting back on track is that we must recollect our past. No matter how painful, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, God is going to use that and redeem that as you get back on track. They went fishing. They caught nothing. Jesus said, other side, they caught a ton. And in doing so, he was reminding them of the last time, of the first time when they were right with him. Verse 7, secondly, the disciple, the one that Jesus loved, love how John always talks about himself in the third person, said to Peter, it's the Lord. I love the relationship that John and Peter have. <laughs> Peter's like the kind of dynamo who just reacts and does things. And John's the, the voice of wisdom who speaks truth. They, they complement each other well, a, a man of action and a man of vision. But as soon as John said it's the Lord, he knew exactly how Peter was going to act. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he'd taken it off, and plunged into the sea. When you're going to meet a religious person in this day, you had to be fully dressed. And he just kind of had his shorts on. So he puts his clothes on to jump into the water. By the way, uh, I think that's a good religious rule we need to keep today. If ever you're talking to a religious person, please have clothes on. <laughs> but anyway, he puts his outer clothing around him. He plunges into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples look at Peter, and you can imagine a look on their faith. Okay, you can do that if you want, Peter, but we're going to bring the boat in. <laughs> It says they came in the boat dragging a net full of fish. But you got to love Peter because he wants to get back with Jesus because he wants to make sure things are all right. He wants to make sure there's no obstacle, no barrier, no challenge, no brokenness between them. And he needs to make it right with God immediately. And I love that because I think that leans into a second thing that we need to do if we want to get back on track. First of all, we don't just need to recollect our past. We need to reconnect our relationships. And first of all, most importantly, we need to reconnect that relationship with Christ. When they got 
out on land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish lying on it and bread. Man, the last time that Peter was around a charcoal fire, it did not end well for him. It was a moment when relationship was broken. It was at that fire that for the third time, he denied ever knowing Jesus. Around this fire is a painful reminder of the broken, disconnected relationship that Jesus wanted to make right. Bring some of the fish that you've caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed out, climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. You see what's happening here? Not only has the past been recollected, but the relationship is in the process of being restored. Jesus says, hey, come, let's eat. Come, bring some of the fish. Jesus is always saying, come about something to us. Come dine with me. Come eat with me. Come talk with me. Because when you say come to someone, you're inviting them into relationship. What Jesus is doing here is he's reconciling the relationship. All right, we want to get back on track. We, we remember the past, right? We, we recollect the past. We we, we reconnect the relationship. But then John says something that feels more like a textbook than the great narrative of God. He describes how many fish there are. 153. Now, John's a detail guy. And so whenever you see a detail like this in John's gospel, you need to pay attention and say, hey, what's going on? What's the meaning of that? There are two possible meanings. The first is that they counted the fish because they always count the fish. Because they wanted to count the fish so they could divide them fairly and make sure everyone got paid the right money for the fish that they sent. The second reason, according to historians, is this. At the time, it was said that there were 153 identifiable types of fish. Different sizes, different shapes, different kinds, different colors. But this number, 153, is said to represent every kind of fish in the sea. And Jesus says, bring these fish to me. At the end of Revelation, when we're around the throne of God, there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Every kind of fish. I think what John's saying in this moment is this relationship that is about to get reconnected is not just for Peter. It's not available just for the disciples. It's an invitation for everybody from every tribe and tongue and nation. For every sort of fish, you're welcome to come and eat 
with Jesus. There's another strange detail as well. John notes, even though there was a lot of fish, the net was not torn. You know, prophetically, what I think he's highlighting here is that the net is the church. And that the church should be big enough to welcome in all kinds of people from every tribe and tongue and nation, right? In order to welcome 153 fish, you need a strong net. And I think John is reminding us of the church that if we want to reach everybody, we must have a bigger capacity than we have. And one of the great and the glorious things about the church is that God knows how to stretch the capacity of the church. He knows how to increase it so that all can be welcome, all can come and eat. You know, when you have one kid, you love that kid. Love you, Bethy. <laughs> and maybe some of you have had this experience as you're waiting for kid number two. You say, how can I love this kid because I'm giving all my love to this kid? You don't split love, right? It just increases in capacity. John is saying the same thing needs to happen here for the church. We want to get back on track. We want this world to get on track. We as a church need to be open to all people of every tribe and tongue and nation. 153 fish in a big net. Why? Because God wants to reconnect relationships. If you want to get back on track, you've got to reconnect that relationship with God. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them, verse 12. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus took the bread and he gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. Another miracle that he's leaning into. This was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he'd been raised from the dead. When we're off track, recollect the last time you were on track and go back there. If you want to get back on track, Reconnect your relationships. Firstly, most importantly, with the God who is always saying, come. You're not going to fulfill the purposes of God if you're at odds with God. So reconnect that relationship. They have breakfast probably one of the weirdest breakfasts in history, but they're enjoying it. And Jesus and Peter kind of lock eyes, and Jesus summons him. And I imagine that they go to the side, because Jesus wants to have a little conversation with him. Simon, 
son of John, do you love me more than these? It's a tough start to the conversation. You know why? Because Jesus is calling Simon, Simon. He'd given him a new name, Peter, which said, you're the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And Peter's like, yes! But in this moment, he's just Simon. Because his sin had taken him off track. And Jesus wants to get him back on track. But he starts by acknowledging the truth that right now he's off track and he's Simon. And then he asks this question, the question that is fundamental to our discipleship, the question that is fundamental to our growth. Simon, do you love me more than these? Scholars debate what these things are. It could be fish. It could be his career. It could be his disciples. It could be his friends. It could be his hopes and his dreams and his stuff. It could be his brokenness and his sin. What it is doesn't matter. But the primary question of discipleship, the primary question of what it means to be a Christian It's when we respond affirmatively to this question of Jesus, do you love me more than? It doesn't matter what the than is. Being a Christian is loving Jesus more. Yes, Lord, he said. I imagine rather timidly you know that I love you. It's interesting here in this First question that Jesus says, do you uh, agape me? Do you love me with this divine love? And Peter responds, yeah, Lord, I love you, but I love you with a, a filios love. I love you like a brother. He's too ashamed. He's too embarrassed. Yes, Lord, you know it. Good. Says Jesus, then shepherd my sheep. He asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. He said, you know I love you, shepherd my sheep. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And we read that Peter was grieved. That that he was cut to the heart. That Jesus had to ask him again, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God by. After saying this, he told him this word, follow me. When we're off track, the first thing that Jesus says is let's recollect your past. The second thing that he said is let's reconnect this relationship. But then here, the third thing that happens, 
as Peter and the other disciples start to get back on track is that a responsibility is reinstated. Simon, do you love me? I don't want to be Simon. I want to be Peter. Yeah, but you're not Peter right now. You're Simon. But I want you to become Peter again, Jesus said. Let's reinstate this responsibility. How do we do that? We love Jesus more and we care for one another. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Really, those responses of Jesus are talking about caring, about loving each other. Do you love me more? Love God. Will you feed my sheep? Take care of the lambs. Will you love your neighbor? That's the responsibility that Jesus is entrusting to Peter so Peter can get back on track. Does that make sense? And then ends up, just to kind of nail this down, Peter, when you were young, you could go wherever you wanted and do whatever you wanted. You know what he's saying? Peter, back in the day, if you want to stay young and if you want to remain immature, then you can live without responsibility. But it's not going to be that way, Peter, because I want to get you back on track and I have a responsibility for you to fulfill and I want to reinstate you to that responsibility. And Peter, just let me tell you, that responsibility is going to be heavy. As my responsibility took me to hanging on a cross, so yours will as well. But despite this, Peter, would you come and follow me again? After saying this, he told him, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. What he's saying is that, Peter, once you've realized that I called you and my gifts and my callings are irrevocable, once we've reconnected that relationship, once that responsibility has been reinstated, Come get back on track and follow me. Being a Christian starts with following Jesus. We go off track when we stop following, but getting back on track means to start following him again. Does that make sense? So often it's so easy to get off track. You may be off track in your relationship with God right now because of some sin, because of the struggle, because of how hard it's been. But the good news of the gospel for all of us is because of Jesus' resurrection, because of his comeback, we can get back on track, a past recollected, a relationship reconnected, 
and a responsibility reinstated. As Jesus says again, follow me. Follow him.